hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing conscious leaders who are living a life beat of their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your ability to lead and manifest your dreams in this reality. When I think about the concept of life, I like to view it through the lens of a game that, similar to other games, there is rules for. This being said, like with most games, once you learn the rules, you can learn how to quote-unquote break them, so to speak, to be able to create the experience within that game that allows you to have the most fulfillment and fun possible. Today's guest on the show is a man who is a master of the game of life and its many components, specifically within the realms of finance, business, exercise, and sales, among others. He has a diverse background in these realms, ranging from his experience in the Army, to his experience as a financial analyst for J.P. Morgan, to his experience as a business owner, both at the CrossFit gym he created and sold, and his newest venture, Spear and Clover. This current project encompasses his love for podcasting with the Spear and Clover podcast, which I was a recent guest on and had an absolute blast on along with his love for finance and sales in the equity department of this project. He is extremely passionate about spending his time with passionate entrepreneurs and assisting them in impacting the world in a positive way. And throughout this episode, we will be diving into his journey, what got him interested in exploring the fields he is currently passionate about, what advice he has for those of you listening who are looking to make a positive change in the world, and much, much more. So please, Help me in welcoming my man, Jason Skisick, to the show. Jason, what's up, bro? Bro, that was a hell of an introduction. There's no way I can live up to that, man. I'm so excited. <laughs> Dude, I'm so pumped, man. You know, when I was looking into your background, of course, we connected on your show and we connected before that too, but mm-hmm. there was a lot in there that I didn't know, which, I mean, shocker, we've known each other for a month now, but at the same time, it's just amazing that you've worn so many different hats and been able to integrate them into the person you are today. And, you know, even though I went into a little bit of your background within the uh, intro, I'd love if you could give me kind of the 411 on how you ended up on the screen with me today, right? Like what allowed Jason to move from the army into financial analyst work, into business ownership, into now podcasting? Like what's the through line for all of that? Or maybe there's many. Attention deficit disorder. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So uh, so listen, first of all, uh, I want to get to that. But the first thing I want to say is we have been talking effortlessly for 18 minutes before we started recording. And so I would like to just announce to the world that Ryan Sprague, you are now my friend. I really enjoy talking to you. I'm so excited for this conversation. It's so easy. And then to have you with that that clearly thoughtful uh, and and well put together intro, this is is just really an honor to be on your show. And I really appreciate you, man. Thank you, Um, brother. So for me, I think there's two stories about my trajectory here. There's the story that I thought was happening while it was happening. And then there's the story that now, through the use of some other things we'll talk about, I have really (laughs) understood it to be. And so the story that I always thought was growing up, you know, my mother, I have a really supportive mother, a hyper supportive mother, like not super controlling, but like a very supportive, you are special, you are brilliant, you're going to be successful, you can do anything, you know, and my my father was always very uh, supportive as well. He coached my baseball teams, he was a very hardworking guy, uh, and, and, and was always, he really did the things you're supposed to do as a supportive father. So I, I just remember thinking, oh, I'm special, and I'm going to go and do these things, and I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to, I didn't know how, I didn't know what, but I was like, I'm take over the world of commerce or whatever, like, you know, crazy thing. The story that I told myself was that I was pursuing some predetermined style of success. And, and that's what we highlight on the show is, is at its best, Spear and Clover podcast always has a moment where somebody goes, and there I was sitting at this conference table and I had the whole world at my feet and I realized I hated my life and its trajectory. And so I did blank or whatever. And so that's kind of what it was for me. So that was the first narrative was like, I'm going to go to college and then I'm going to go to the army and I'm going to use that as a stepping stone to go to school. And then I'm going to take over the world of banking, which then will lead into consulting or investment banking or any number of things that many people that I actually know have have actually taken those paths and and many of them are very, very happy. So, you know, shout out to them. What really was happening this whole time uh, was I've always only really, really, I I can succeed in anything as long as I freaking love it. 
right? And so when I look back, and I never noticed this when it was happening, but when I looked back, when I was a little kid, I was really into, my first job was at an ice cream shop. But after that, it was like, I was into snowboarding. I got a job at the snowboarding hill that was local to the place. And I snowboarded all week, all, all, all year for free. I was into cars. I worked at the car wash and I, I worked on cars in, in school. I was into clothing. I had several jobs at the mall. I was always trying to take what I loved to do and make money doing it. For a period there before the army, I was really into poker and pool and gambling. And that was not a very uh, <laughs> slippery positive slope. experience. It's a slippery <laughs> slope. It's one of the main reasons why I went to the army was to break that cycle. But either way, I worked at the pool hall. I worked at the casino. I was gambling as much as I possibly could. I was so passionate about it. Went to the army. Wasn't passionate about the army necessarily, but had a terrific experience in the army. We, we can unpack a little bit if you'd like. Um, but when I got out, I did enroll in school to go become this financial analyst and eventually, you know, a titan of industry. But at the same time, I'm rock climbing, camping almost every weekend, and I'm doing CrossFit and I'm riding bikes and, and cycling and long things. So what am I doing on my own time? I'm flipping uh, MacBooks and and expensive bikes uh, on Craigslist. I started a rock climbing gym and I started a CrossFit gym. These were just hobbies. And I was like, oh, these are muse projects that are going to inspire me and teach me like the little bits of lessons about what being a business owner or an entrepreneur or a, you know, a, a whatever, uh, capitalist, I don't know, uh, what that means. <laughs> and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to do it for a, a major fortune 500 company. I'm going to become an executive and I'm going to, you know, learn how to, you know, do leveraged buyouts and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, I get this great job. I have these great people. I'm, I, I can do the job, but I can't bring myself to actually spend the time doing it. So I'm at the desk eight hours a day and about six of them, I'm modeling my $8,000 a month revenue gym. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so it just, it just took so long for me to realize that the narrative of my life is, is I'm an evangelist for the things that I love and I'll do anything to create a community around that. I want to influence people. If, if I find something that I find that I'm passionate about that has impacted my life well, whether it's cannabis, which we probably will discuss today, or an Apple watch or uh, a certain type of shoes or a brand of clothing or whatever it may be, like I, I want to influence those people that I love to make their lives better. And that came in the form for a very long time uh, in fitness, in the CrossFit gym. It was like, this thing has totally changed my life, like literally from soup to nuts, man. Like everything about life is, is altered when you're, when you're that deep in that world. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell that story enough to people. And it's like, mm. no, you don't really, you really don't understand. It's like the drunk guy that like pulls <laughs> you and you know? No, I um, love you, man. <laughs> and, yeah, and so that's sort of that's sort of the two narratives. Is like the one narrative was like it seemed like I was going out try to like to win a game where the rules had already been set, and really what was happening is I couldn't even help it. It was like I had I, I saw the world as I wanted to see it, and I could not help but take action to try and make that happen for myself and others. You know, that's so amazing, man. Because I'm not a religious person, and I say this all the time on the podcast, but I know a good line when I hear it. And the Bible states that if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must first enter the mind of a child. And what is the mind of a child? Curiosity, imagination, awe, and wonder, right? And so when I hear your story, I hear a person that was imagining the reality he wanted, getting in awe over the things that he loved, and really allowing that to propel him into the things that he thought he wanted to do. And then at a certain point, realizing that dark night of the soul when you got the job that you wanted and all these things and realized like, actually, I was much happier making maybe less money, but doing what I really wanted to do. And I think this is a common story we hear about a lot. And it's worth, you know, repeating that within the hero's journey, this is really the journey that we all go on in some way, shape or form. You know, with me, it was ending up at the dispensary and, you know, thinking I was going to spend the rest of my life there and then being flabbergasted when all of a sudden I was thinking about creating my own business. And it was funny because the signs were there the whole time, because ever since I started the dispensary, there would be dead times at work where there are no patients coming in. And what would I be doing? I would be going online, learning about entrepreneurship. I would be going online, learning everything I could about grow, writing pages and pages of notes on the back of office paper that I would get there about what I really loved. And so when it's finally dawned on me, it was like, oh, the evidence was everywhere. I just wasn't looking at it. And as yeah. soon as I started to look at it, everything came clear. And it's so amazing that your journey has that exact same you know, metaphor to it as well. 
Yeah. And you, first of all, I, I think that kind of dovetails with you know, plant medicine or these things, these practices, whether it's breathing or whatever, mm. I feel like sometimes the hardest thing to see is the thing that's sitting right next to you. That's always been there. That's yes. the hardest thing to see, right? That's why, by the way, that's what coaches do. Yes. Most of what like a really good, like coach will do is, is go like, Hey, you realize you're sitting next to anger or like, Hey, you're, you're really sitting <laughs> next to entrepreneurship. Right. Um, but it's funny you say that whenever I, uh, I'm spearing Clover, we always talk about like, are you a fitness entrepreneur or are you an entrepreneur who works in fitness? Are you a cannabis entrepreneur? Or are you an entrepreneur who works in cannabis? And the yes. difference is some entrepreneurs approach knowing I want to start a business money's in cannabis. I'm going to start a cannabis business that makes money. Great. Good for them. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I find the ones that I, that I really connect with are the people who are like, I, I, I got to tell people this thing that I figured out. I got to tell, <laughs> I got to share this with more people. I got to, I got, uh, how do we do it? Um, uh, I, I can't do it all. So I'm going to have to hire somebody. And it's like, they, it's almost like they're creating the idea of what a business is because they yes. have to, you know, and, and those are the people I like to help because it's like, Hey, you know, you can automate some of that. And like, Hey, you know, you, can, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But, but, but the people that have a mission first and like with a big capital M and then they have to create a business around that. Like those are my favorite people. Yes. And you know, it's so funny. I was literally just on a client call this morning where I was talking about this. And I was saying that I think a lot of people, we hear this idea of feminine and masculine energy. And it can be kind of one of those things that we were talking about before that people say woo-woo to, right? Because they just don't mm -hmm. understand it, right? But mm -hmm. at the same time, what I always say to my clients is feminine energy must come first before the masculine. And I'll explain why. Because what you were just saying, right, is the person who's like, hey, this is what's going to make money, so I'm going to do it, is allowing masculine energy, which is like action-taking, to mm -hmm. then allow them to figure out logically what they should or should not be doing to make money. But if you allow the feminine energy to come first, you then get connected to your heart and you go, this is what I love to do. And then the masculine energy can make you figure out how to do it and give you the energy to actually go out and do the thing. And this is also why so many people that are cannabis users get stuck in feminine energy because they're interacting with a feminine plant. They don't know it. And mm -hmm. so they're content, right? Because that is what feminine energy is. It's in full receiving mode. And so like being able to connect to whether you call it your heart, your hero's path, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. and really like find what you love in life, then the masculine energy allows you to go do the thing, right? And go mm -hmm. figure it out. And the path isn't necessarily easy just because you know what you really get filled up by. It's actually still just as challenging in my experience, but at least, you know, like when you put your head on the pillow after working 16 hour days and your beat, it's a different type of stress. It's you stress, right? Like where you stress is still stress, but it's not as impactful in a negative way to the body because you're doing what you love. So it's kind of like how this is going to be a silly analogy, but it's almost like a fall down alcoholic versus a functional alcoholic, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's, it's like the fall down alcoholic. It's much easier to say, Hey, you got a problem, right? Like you're, you just smashed your face off the ground, but a mm -hmm. functional alcoholic, you might be able to say like, I mean, this might be a weird analogy for it, but you might be able to say like, Hey, that person gets their work done, but they might have a challenge, you know, in, in, in having a work-life balance. So it's mm -hmm. very similar with people that are really loving what they do where like they're, they're creating like a positive type of stress. And this isn't exactly related to the analogy, but they're creating a positive stress doing what they love. But also at the same time, they can burn out because they're like, no, I'm doing what I love. I don't need to ever stop. This can be my life. It's what I love. And so it's really hard to convince them that they need a work-life balance. And so it's very interesting speaking about these things because it's exactly what I've experienced in life with regards to how I choose to live life. And again, this wasn't something I was conscious of for the first mm. 26 years of my life. But what I realized was that when I was a teenager and I worked at Staples, right? And this is like my, you want to talk about my worst nightmare? Like if anyone yes. out there wants to punk me, give me a certificate saying I got hired at Staples and, and that like literally will ruin my day. Because when I, when I worked at Staples, man, it was like the smell of office supplies mm -hmm. just like haunted my dreams. And I had other friends working there that were like, listen, man, it's just a job. It is what it is. But for me, it was like pulling teeth to get in there every day. It was like, I, I literally wanted to puke every time I went in there. It wasn't that my bosses were terrible. One of them was pretty bad in certain ways, but, but like most, like the work environment wasn't necessarily bad. It was just, I didn't love what I was doing. And it's funny you mentioned that because I don't know if everyone's built this way. I don't think they are, but for certain people, and I think this is what entrepreneurship and what people, what type of people become entrepreneurs. They just, we need to do what we love. And if we do, we can literally work 18 hour days for the rest of our life and thug it out and make it work. But if we're doing something we don't love, 
even if we have to spend one hour on it, it's like pulling the soul right from our body. <laughs> yeah, dude, there's so much in there that I identify with. I mean, for starters, I've said so many times, almost exactly what you just said. Yeah. You can't, you could not hire me right now to work for 40 hours a week for anybody else. That doesn't mean that there's no like alignment where maybe that could happen, but mm-hmm. in general, like for something I'm dispassionate about, but you can't stop me from working 80 hours a week on something that requires 80 hours a week. I don't yes. typically do that, but like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm completely unstoppable. I will skip meals. I will stay up late. I will not watch TV. I will uh, not go to the, the, whatever. If when I'm really on something uh, that I'm super passionate about and I have to get it out of me, which is why, you know, it kind of brings me to kind of another point, which is what I've found is if you're listening to this and you identify with what Ryan and I are talking about, there's like this natural like sine wave of of people that are like us. Uh, Alex Charfin calls that the entrepreneur personality type. Mm. Uh, and there's this natural like super high output kind of valley, super high output kind of valleys. Um, this does correlate a little bit to people that have ADD. But for the best of us, we have this ability to sort of like input like think of like a slowly rising through line that's stable and consistent. And that's like our habits. That can be our team. That can be SOPs that we create and somebody else energizes every day. I I don't exactly remember exactly where I was going with that, but to me, that's something that has, has really impacted uh, the way. Oh, that's what I was going to say that it's impacted the way that I try to do things. I don't try to behave like this anymore. That straight line that goes up. What I do is I, I think of myself as like a, like a shepherd of my own attention. And so like when it's there, I try to guide it in like a productive and and like impactful way. And when it's not there, I just go like, looks like we're watching Netflix today (laughs) or, 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 you know, really more, more accurately is I I do jujitsu and kickboxing five days a week. I'm guess I'm going to the gym today and I'm just going to spend time there and maybe I'll roll around and maybe I'll go to the beach with my daughter or maybe I'll, you know, I'll hop on a call and, and do this and do that, but I'm not creating content today. But yes. man, when the attention span is there, I'm like, all right, get the horses out. We're, we're, we're riding today, baby. You know? And, yes. and so, so to me, I really do think of myself as like, a, I, haven't, I haven't decided if it's a shepherd or a farmer of my own attention. And like, when it's there, it's completely unstoppable. And like, I can use sort of intelligence about my knowledge of myself to like, go like, all right, this motherfucker's going over that hill over there. I don't know how it's going to happen, but we're getting there. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a Z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever. Dude, 100%, man. It's like I'm speaking to myself right now. This is actually kind of trippy because how I've gone through a lot of my life is I thugged it out and burned myself out, right? Mm -hmm. And especially that was more so when I was doing what I didn't love to do. 
And so I was like beating a dead horse for a little while. I was setting up people's grows here in Boston. Right. And it was just brutal. Like I'm not a manual labor type person per se. I love gardening. I love like carpentry, but like setting up grow rooms. I'm just like, I'm not really huge on that. Right. I'll teach people how to do it, but I don't want to be the one actually setting it up. And so I was like beating these dead horses, but looking back in hindsight, they were all necessary because, you know, for everyone listening to, you might be feeling right now, fuck, I feel that way. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. Well, guess what? We both did that and we ended up here today, right? So it was those things, those trial and errors where it's like that old saying, you either win or you learn. And so we learned quite a few times. And I think that a couple of things I wrote down is I love the idea of pressure. And this is something that like, since as early as I can remember, right? Like I, in school, I knew I got this. This isn't that complicated. And it wasn't that I was the smartest person or anything like that. I just knew how to loophole my way through anything. So like, for instance, I knew that like, if I had a book report due in two weeks, if I try to do it when it was two weeks out, it would take me five days. But if I waited until the night before, all of a sudden my mind chatter would shut up because I had, I was under pressure now and I could work. And I think this is one of the things that I love about doing what I love is that I can invoke this pressure at any point, even if it's not really there. And so like, a lot of times when Alex and I are talking about stuff, he'll be like, hey, man, you don't really need to do all this this week. And I'm like, oh, I do. Like, I do need to do this all this yeah, week yeah. because that's where I feel most alive. Now, like you were talking, there's a balancing act there because that is a slippery slope, right? Like if you don't, if you end up thinking you can do that all the time, you will burn out. And I, and I have done that even with what I love. Mm-hmm. But if you can know that like, okay, if that attention's on, because it, it's, it's exactly like you said, I don't just do it any week. I do it like the weeks where I feel like that drive, that masculine energy, just like, let's go, let's drive to 11 in the wise words of Spinal Tap, then like, let's fucking do this. And so when that happens, I'm like, let me just get as much done. Like I love, there's a certain voice that comes in to my head that goes, yeah, you did all that, but you could do more. Now I've been able to mitigate that voice and knowing like, okay, when I need it, hey, where are you, that voice, right? But when I don't need it, I can turn it off as well. And what I love about this pressure thing and everything we're talking about is that for me, it's when I create my best art, right? It's when I create like my best work in the programs, my best podcast. Like when I'm doing nine interviews a week, that's when I know I'm going to be on like Donkey Kong. And it's kind of similar to me thinking about a race car. When you're driving a Honda Civic, right? Like you can let the oil go for a little bit longer. You know, you can put shitty gas in whatever. When you're driving a race car, everything has to be perfect. And of course, perfect is a silly term. There's nothing ever perfect, but you get what I mean. Like there's this sense of like, I really want to make sure this thing's tuned to the ultimate max of what it can actually provide. Because then I get to go take it out and go wide open throttle. And that's the argument for that balance of like, okay, now my yin time, my off time is like, I'm going to meditate harder, right? I'm going to do more breath work and really relax like a pro mm-hmm. so I can be on and wide open throttle it too. So that's really cool. We talk about the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I've seen those brain scans. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of who it was, but I had a doctor when I was younger. Maybe it was a therapist, uh, it was late teens. And I saw the uh, cat scans maybe, but mm. I saw the brain activity of of regular people and the brain activity of, and and feel free if I'm wrong about this, it's a long, this old information, but I've seen his, he presented to me brain scans and he was like, this is a regular brain. It functions like from here to here, you know, from, from low to intermediate. Right. And he's like, this is the brain of like, uh, of somebody who's ADD. And it was like, this is them doing something they don't care about. And it's like zero, it's like flat line. And he's like, this is the brain of them doing something they care about. And it was like through the roof, like 110%. And I think it's just one. And that's how I feel. And so it's like knowing it's, it's like having a superpower, right? I mean, you have to understand that every superpower has its kryptonite, you know, and, yes. and the inverse. So I just need to realize, oh, don't do things that I'm not pumped about. As we mature, particularly as business owners, the stuff we're doing gets sliced even further. So it's like, I love fitness. Okay. In the beginning, that was good. So anything that I had to do around fitness, I'm pumped about. Then it was like, yeah, I like fitness, but I don't like doing the, I don't like doing, uh, you know, membership management, or I don't want to do the this, or I don't want to do that. And so as we, you know, the, uh, Alex Charfin again talks about uh, the bigger your business gets, the more important decisions you need to make with increasingly less information. And so it's like, we're slicing that job down even further. So it's like, maybe Ryan uh, can get burnt out because he's still doing five things that he used to define as one thing. And so maybe it becomes like, I need somebody to take one of those off my plate. So now I'm only doing four things and I'm still, okay, now I can burn the candle a little better, you know? Yes. No, this is where we're outside of like where I would be definite, but I certainly feel that way. 100%. Somebody like you, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was going to, I was just going to say 100%. And like this, you're 100% right because 
when I got into coaching, I was like, I love coaching. But now I'm like, no, I love being on a screen and coaching. What I don't like is having to track all the leads in a spreadsheet, track all my podcast guests in a spreadsheet, send out automated emails. Now I'm fortunate enough to have an amazing business partner, my buddy, Alex Morningstar, who loves that stuff. And I think that like, yeah, it's like, it's a great name. And I'm like, dude, best last name ever. But I think that like people like you and I, and, and it's, and I imagine many people listening are like this delegation is a superpower. We hear that, but we don't really know the why we know like, okay, yeah, it's important to not have a bunch of stuff on your plate. But even a level deeper than that, it's important time where you start in business where you just got to thug it out and you're going to be doing some stuff that you don't love. But as long as it's the overall subject of what you love, you won't hate it necessarily, right? You might not like it, but it's not going to like kill you. But as you start, like, say, picking up clients, like maybe in your position, you love program design. Like that's like your favorite thing in the gym. You know, in the beginning, you have like, say, 10 clients. And so you're thugging it out. You're doing it all yourself. Well, after you have 100 clients, if you're still trying to do all the other stuff, you're going to burn yourself out. That's when delegation becomes a superpower because now in order for you to be in your power zone, you need to be only designing programs because that's what's going to allow you to keep up with a hundred clients. And so you were talking about um, delegation being a superpower. The reason it's funny you say that because I think it is. And I would even start this by saying I've coached, let's call it hundreds of entrepreneurs at this point. And unequivocally, the biggest problem that people have is replacing themselves is is, Mm. uh, is delegation and replacing themselves. Um, And I think the reason it's such a hard thing to do, or rather the reason delegation is a superpower is because we have this kryptonite that we want to do everything, especially if you're super passionate about your, your business. Right. And it's one of those things where, yeah, you started in that nucleus of the business. You started by being everything to everybody. And then there came a time where you had to bring folks on and you did so maybe begrudgingly, or, you know, you're, it's not as good when you come to the five o'clock, you got to come to my six, my six o'clock's way better. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? 100%. And the analogy I see here is kind of like parenting, right? Especially mothers go through this. I mean, fathers do too, but I think mothers have this innate connection to children where, at first, this child is relying on you for everything. And then as they get older, especially as they get into teenage years, there's this whole like rebelling of like, I don't need you for anything anymore, mom. Right. And it's kind of like that severing where it's like very similar to business. At a certain point, your business is going to run autonomously, even without you. I mean, of course, you're still necessary, right? You're still the figurehead and these kind of things. But like, for instance, Alex and I have explored like having different coaches coach the program, these kind of things. And I'm not super reluctant for it because I know where I want to, like, I know what I want to do with my time that I'll save doing that. But at the same time, I do feel that feeling of like, oh, this is my baby though. You know, like I don't want to let it go. And I think it's instead of what I've done is frame it as not letting it go or taking myself out of the business, but expanding and getting more time so I can do the next level thing. Mm. And it's kind of like that cyclical evolutionary process where yeah, like connect with cannabis is what I love. And also now I'm creating grow with cannabis, which is even a level deeper into what I love. So if I want to be able to create a whole new program and do all of these things and have two podcasts and all these things, it's like, okay, well, right now I have to play a very, very fine line of like, like literally, and I, and I love this. So for anyone listening, who's like, ah, that sounds terrible. I fucking love it. Right. Which is, I take myself seriously enough to be like, okay, I'm going to work out six days a week. I'm going to make sure I get my stretching in. I got acupuncture every week. I got the Cairo every week, right? Like I have all these things that I do, all my supplements, my certain water I drink, spring water, like all these things. But it's kind of like that race car analogy I was talking about. Like it is a little bit of pressure for sure, like doing these things. But because I fucking love it, it's actually fun to me. It's a fun game. Like how much can I rev my engine and how healthy can I make my engine so I can see how much it can rev? Does that make sense? It does. I would actually, I would even take that a step further and say, Mm. Ryan, you love your mission so much that you have to get out of its way. Yes. And so if you want to scale the impact of your mission, which I think you absolutely should and certainly can, it cannot be you that does it. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk doesn't build the cars and do all that stuff, right? This thing, this thing that I've this this idea that we're talking about comes up all the time when I'm working with clients. And one of the things I always tell people is like, hey, look, there's two ideas that you currently hold, whether you know it or not, and they cannot coexist. One is you're a unique special butterfly, and entrepreneurs are this special unique thing. And two, everybody else should be able to do what I do. 
because they're like, well, every time I hire somebody, they shit the bed. And it's like, well, yeah, because they're not you, dude. They're not out there creating this thing that you built out of nothing. You had an idea on a bus and now it's two podcasts and three shows and all these other things. It's So it's like, you need to realize that if there is a supervillain, it's that it's you thinking that everybody should just be able to do what you do. And if they can't, then nobody can. Exactly. That's not true. You just can't expect those people to learn, acquire skills and behave as ravenously or enigmatically or as the same way that you would. And so you, maybe you have to leave them a, a, a more detailed trail of SOPs and systems and, and training and t- FaceTime with you and those types of things. But ultimately, if I don't know, insert the name of somebody you really respect. If they were like the purists that most of my clients have been, they would never have been able to write a book because they'd be afraid that the person reading it wouldn't be next to them when they were reading it for context. They'd never (laughs) be able to have employees that are making the genes because they wouldn't quite cut it right or what. So it's it's just one of those things. That's the supervillain is thinking that you're so unique that nobody else can do what you do. 100%. And it's such a double-edged sword too, because, or maybe slippery slope, I don't know exactly what the right uh, word is here, but, but the idea is that when you really think about it, right? Like when people fall into this, because one of the things that I found about myself is with that, I'm not so worried about it because I realize I'm like, not only can people do what I do, they might be able to do it better in a certain unique way, but Mm. everyone's different. And that's the magic of life. So I think when people fall into that of like, oh, no one could do it like me. It's like, but would you really want them to do it like you? Because then you might see something they do that you're like, oh, I love that. Teach me that. And then it adds to your repertoire of things that you become. And so like, that's what I found. Of course, psychedelics helped me a lot with this because I did go through my period of this in my early 20s when I, you know, had that ego, uh, egotistical view of life where I'm like, I am this person. I'm working out seven days a week. Why can't everyone just do it? And realizing that I don't want everyone in the world to be exactly like me. I don't want anyone to be like me and not because I'm unique or special past any part of special that other people are, but simply because that takes the magic away from life. Like we were talking about when we started, we're similar, but we're different in certain ways. And that's what makes us so exciting to talk to one another and so interesting. And I think that, you know, going back on what we were talking about before we hit record too, of like the state of the world right now, I think that's where a lot of people are missing the mark because they're essentially saying, this is my way of relating to the world. These are my thoughts, my beliefs. And if you don't agree with them, you're wrong. And even more than that, I'm going to argue with you to try to get you to agree with my version of reality. When in reality, like philosophy and these types of subjects were not discussed with an end goal of having people agree to one specific notion or subject or answer. They were discussed specifically to allow people to say, oh, wow, you believe the earth is flat? I believe the earth's round. Why do you believe it's flat? Like, I'm just curious, yeah. not because I want to pummel you into the ground and, and argue with you, not really as a discussion, but just to like play a chess game to like checkmate you. So I know you're, so you know, you're wrong, but more so to like actually get an insight because what I believe is that, you know, what quantum physics talks about is that there is no objective reality, right? The Newtonian Cartesian way of looking at life where there's a subjective reality and yellow is yellow for everyone. And a, the sky looks the same to everyone, all these things. It's just not real. And so if everyone, if every reality is different, if we have 8 billion, however many people are living on earth right now, and as such, we have 8.5 billion different realities. Well, then I'm thoroughly interested in figuring out if someone has a certain belief system or a certain way of looking at life that I like more than the way I'm currently looking at it. And I think if we thought about our sense of self as a process rather than an outcome, then at least in my mind, like what I've experienced from that is like, I choose to believe things that help my experience of life in this moment. But if you tell me something right now that I'm like, I like that more, even if it conflicts with my views, I'm like, I'm taking that on. So I I think like, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but I think that's one of the biggest challenges that's facing the world right now, based on what you were talking about, this egoic way of going through life and thinking that like, oh, no one can do it like me. And these kind of things is like, do you really want people to be exactly like you? You know, you might think well, you do. It's a cool dream, but in reality, yeah. it's kind of boring. You know, I think, I think when it comes down to it, your ego doesn't give a fuck about truth. Yeah. <laughs> your ego cares about being right. Mm-hmm. And I think that you, you, you evoke uh, psychedelics. And I think it was around the time that I first tried psychedelics and in, in that experience, uh, which was in my mid thirties. I think it was around that time where I stopped trying to be right. And I started trying to 
figure out what was right based on the information available to me. Mm. And so it's funny. And I remember it. It, it, I could, I could give you all the little tales. I, there's like maybe five or six impactful moments, like core things that happened, but there just became a time I'll skip those and just say, there just became a time where I would get more excited if we disagreed because I want to, especially if I respect you, because I want to know how I can be more right. And I swear to God, Ryan, that the moment that I, that my ego stepped, stepped out of the way and stopped trying to defend my version of what was right. The, the moment I stopped losing arguments, mm. all of a sudden it was all of a sudden, instead of, let me tell you how it is. I would lead with, Hey, um, this is what I think. What's wrong with that? Or like, mm. or like, Hey, what do you think? Like I do this all the time. Now, when I finish talking, I say, does that make sense? And it's a sales tactic on one hand and I carry through it with my life, but I say it all the time. And one of the reasons I do that is not just, does that make sense? But I also want to make sure we're in agreement because if it doesn't, I want to know. And it's like, I get fucking pumped, especially the more mature you get and the more you've seen, especially if you've had some success in your life. It's like, I don't know. Do I really need to talk to the nine people who think the earth is round? Fuck no. I want to talk to the guy who thinks the earth is flat because yes. he's got to be looking at it through a different set of a different set of parameters, right? And when you 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 talked about um you talked about vaguely the scientific method and mm-hmm. and you know the the way things have evolved over time, it's from that. It's like, hey, everybody, look at this thing I found out. Now everybody kicked the shit out of it until it's so beaten down to only that what what is left is like the foundation of the idea that survived the hurricane, right? Yes. Like, I think that's so important. And I think that's why these, these, you can call them shortcuts or plant medicines or whatever. That's why removing some of that ego, even if it's temporarily has such a lasting and positive effect. I don't know very many people that do psychedelics that are like brash assholes. (laughs) Yeah. And what is that? That's that masculine thing where you're like, Hey, I'm going to steamroll you. Like I kind of am right now. I'm going to steamroll you. And I'm just going to say all the things that I think and like, fuck you for thinking anything else. I'm going (laughs) to laugh when you challenge any of those ideas. Like that's abhorrent to me at this point, you know, and you know, hopefully it always was, but maybe not. Yeah, (laughs) dude, I'll be the first to say it wasn't always that way for me for a long time. I didn't argue with the intention of learning something new. So like what you said, I could actually be more right in the future, whatever that means. I argued specifically so as like a jujitsu move. Can I get you in a yes. position where I headlock you? And no matter if you're the better fighter or not, you're just not going to be able to get out of it. And so with this sneaky move, you're just now you're you're KO'd, right? Or you're tapped out, I think is the right mm-hmm. terminology sure. for jujitsu. <laughs> and so so it's interesting because what psychedelics did for me is they humbled the shit out of me. Because you try to go into a psychedelic experience, especially a high dose one, thinking I got this figured out. This is gonna be no big deal. Cakewalk. Ha, real funny. You're going to get humbled real fucking quick. And you're going to come out of that like, oh, thank God. Oh, I don't know anything. And that's what happened to me. I had one specific experience where I didn't go into it like super egotistically, but I just went into it without reverence. And I went into it without really understanding what I was messing with. And so I thought like, well, if I had a three and a half gram dose and that was super fun, well, then it must just even be more fun and do a six gram dose. And you know what? Even better than that, let's make an 18 gram tea and just split it between three people because math is how I understand it in this realm. And what I'm about to say, it's funny, of course, we were getting into psychedelics on both shows, but yeah. you know what I'm about to say, like I know might not make a lot of sense logically, but I experienced, I had the direct experience. Now, whether it's mm-hmm. right or wrong, I have no idea, but it was what mm-hmm. I experienced as quote unquote, t- small t truth. And so after I had had my experience where I thought I was going to die and I transcended that, the entities that were there, whether you call your higher self, my mind, however you want to look at it, started basically sharing with me like, hey, that math that you used of like, you know, oh, we're going to make a big T and split it and it will work out fine. doesn't exactly work that way. You know, when you make a T of 18 grams, you're blowing an 18 gram hole into the universe and then you're all going on that ride together. And so nothing in my analytical, logical mind can still make sense of that. But I can tell you from that experience that I've never, like I've done plenty of five and six gram doses since then, not mixed, right? So I've done it myself. And then like someone else has taken a six gram dose next to me that we didn't make together. I've never had that type of experience again. Now we could say again, correlation doesn't necessarily equal causation. There's a million things, but that experience really changed the whole course of my life because ever since then I've realized I don't know anything. And so I go into every conversation as a beginner. So what I'll do is I'll state what I think I know. Right. And I'll even say, like, 
I don't know this objectively. This is just what I've come to believe. Do you believe something different? And if someone does, and I happen to like that, then I go, oh, cool. I'll take that on. And so in that way, like I kind of made, at least from my explanation or my point of view of it or perspective, I've made life fun again. Because I think that if you go through life just trying to be right all the time, well, then not only are you going to get in a lot of arguments, right, which cause stress in your body and all the physiological stuff that comes along with that. But what are you there to learn, right? If you already know something, if you 100% know it, then even if someone gives you the best evidence and literally proves your point objectively wrong, you're like, fuck that person. They're an asshole. And you start, the ego starts protecting you in all the ways it does. It's not you, it's them, all these things. And you end up missing out on a lot of the wonder and awe and curiosity of the mind of a child that mm-hmm. will ask you why until they're blue in the face. They don't care if they don't know things or they seem stupid or whatever. And that's why parents, a lot of the time are like, you know, it just is blue. The sky's just blue. Just stop asking questions. But the kid's like, but why though? Like, why is it blue? Why can't it be green? Right. And so it's very interesting because as I've started to explore this whole idea of the mind of a child and psychedelics Mm -hmm. have helped me a lot in that I've been able to integrate it into my life. And now being a business owner, like there are many times when I feel like I have the perfect idea, right? Like I had this idea that I was going to go on 30 podcasts by the end of June and it was two months. So it was May and June. And I was like, I like to stack crazy goals for myself. At the same time, I was also going to Austin, same time rebuilding Connect with Cannabis, making Grow with Cannabis. It was a silly endeavor, right? But I was like, I'm going to do it. And so I presented to my business partner. He's like, hey, man, you know, like I'm all for you doing all this stuff, but that might burn you out. And so at first it was like, no, it's not. And then I actually thought about like, no, actually my actions have a direct reflection on the business. And so like, if I'm burning out and not fulfilling my end of the other things that I might miss out on and having these crazy challenges, then I'm going to put more work on Alex's back and then he's going to get frustrated, rightfully so. And so it was like my ability to be like, you know what? Yeah, I think you're right on this one. But if I had such an ego about it, I would have never seen that, you know? Well, and I think the thing that, as soon as I say this, it doesn't, it makes sense, right? Like, Mm. why does it have to be in a month? Exactly. The worst thing in the world, if 400 million people knew Ryan Sprague's name, but it took a year. Exactly. Years. Like, would that be the worst thing in the world? Like, like, I mean, you, it's, it's interesting. I think entrepreneurs, it's, we have this like symptom of our condition, which is not only do we want to build a mountain, but we want it built today. (laughs) And it's like the best of us are like, you know, that's why I would never get into construction. Probably I would never get into like building technology because there's just a fact of like millions of lines of code need to be done. Right. Mm-hmm. And I could, I just, just not for my temperament, but even that, <laughs> like, it's like, Ryan, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a hundred dollars today, or I'll give you a million dollars in six months. It's like, Hey man, just get it out there, baby. And then the yes. other thing too, is imagine the type of person who can thread the needle 30 times like that in one month. Well, it would probably limit the amount of creativity you'd be able to do. You'd have to do that Ted talk 30 times. You know what I mean? We talked about that. I think we, yes. there, but we talked about that, like laser focus of like crafting a certain thing. And it's like, that's where I take a pause and let the interviewer realize how fucking smart I am. And like, like the more, <laughs> the more, the more rote this gets, the, the passion sucks out of it. Like I envy somebody listening to this conversation over any other conversation I've had on a podcast, respectfully to them, because like, this is live wire shit. Like I'm, I'm feeling a connection through this to you that maybe I wouldn't have if I was like, and let me tell you about the origin story of Spirit and Clover podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. 100% man. Hello, everybody. I hope you are all enjoying the show. I wanted to stop by and fill you in on our brand new, completely free to join Facebook community called the Highly Optimized Ceremony Circle. I imagine many of you are aware of the newest creation within Highly Optimized, which is the Connect with Cannabis program. Alex and I are having so much fun empowering health and wellness professionals with the skill set of facilitating conscious cannabis and helping them up-level their facilitation practice that we wanted to create a space where anyone could join to ask questions, receive free information on how to work with cannabis and the way we teach in the program, and be able to gain clarity around how to get the best results with their clients in order to become financially independent in their health and wellness practice. To join, hop over to the link in our Instagram bio and send us a request. It is our intention to assist as many health and wellness professionals as possible in the important work they are doing in the world. And if you are looking to join a community of like-minded individuals just like you, who are passionate about helping their clients achieve the highest quality of life possible, the Highly Optimized Ceremony Circle is for you. I am looking forward to speaking with all of you in the group, and as always, enjoy the show.
it immediately dawned on me as soon as he mentioned it, I was like, oh man, you're right. Because I started realizing, oh, I'm thinking of life as a sprint again. And when I really dove in, it was like, what is the fear there? Oh, I am not enough. So I must do so much to prove to myself and others, which, you know, newsflash for most people, most people are so involved in their own life. They're not watching what you do anyway. Right. So like the first thing was that, that limiting belief of realize or thinking that if I did 30 podcasts in a month that anyone would even notice other than me. Right. And it wasn't necessarily about that. It was more so a me thing, right. Of like, can I do this? And I think the challenges are great, but all in due time. Like once we have the programs built out and things are running autonomously and we have some people hired and maybe they're coaching the programs and I have a lot of space, maybe that's the time where I say, okay, let's try this new challenge. But someone doesn't go, I'm going to climb Mount Everest, then Kilimanjaro, and then all the other big mountains in seven days. They don't do that, right? They spend a year getting ready for one. They do it. And if they succeed, they go, okay, cool. Then they have a yin period after where they reflect on what they could have done better, what mess ups they had, things like that. And then they plan out the next trip. And so I think that was like something that, you know, for anyone listening who's an entrepreneur, like I imagine you've gone through these things and maybe you continue to go through it. And I imagine I'll have plenty of other episodes like this, right? But it's about like that balance that we were talking about before, those ups and downs and realizing that like, hey, I made that goal because I was on a really big stride of feeling on. But I also was about to go to Austin and have the biggest week of my life with some huge mm-hmm. podcasters. And so if I had tried to do that, I actually, I think I'm at around 20 now. So I, I kind of yeah. almost got the goal, but, but I, I, I stopped caring about it. I stopped being like, the goal is whatever naturally happens, right? And so what naturally yeah. happened is around 20. That's amazing. I'm like, cool. I'm good with that because I started realizing I am enough regardless of how much output I do. I'm not related. My, my worth is not related to how much I do. It's who I be. You know, agreed. And I would, I would add to that. I was having a conversation with an entrepreneur the other day and he said, I want to have a million dollars in my bank account in five years. And I go, Hey man, guess what? I could tell you a hundred different ways to make a million dollars in a bank account in the next five years. And I can tell you 50 of them are going to put you in jail and the other 50, you might not be happy about. So let's figure out like, do you want to be happy and free in five years? And so what I would turn it on you, Ryan, just because fuck it, here we are. Yeah, let's do it. um, Would be like, what if you made one podcast that so many people were impacted by that it went viral and had 10 million views? Yes. And that's possible if you're there. If you can show up as Ryan, like, dude, I had you on my show. It was the longest episode I've ever had. <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to cut very much of it. I, I probably just cut like the little breaks and stuff. But, mm-hmm. but truthfully, like listening to a guy like you or you know, at my best, a guy like me or somebody that has the, you, you've spent so much time becoming the person that you are, this shit should be easy. You know yes. what I mean? So just like, maybe you take 28 days and think about it. And then you go on a podcast and blow people's minds. Yes. Don't forget, like everyone wants to get viral, but like people used to go viral, like from nowhere, like the chocolate <laughs> rain guy, like yeah. people, used to, people used to go viral from nowhere. And it was because there was a zeitgeist that they were tapping into. And I think there's so much more to it than like blast. Now it's nice to blast, you know, Tim Kennedy right now is releasing a book. It just came out, I think today or yesterday. And like, I've seen him like going on shows and like, that's cool. But like he spent 40 something years becoming the guy who can go on all those shows and just talk and and be the right guy, you know? Yeah, dude. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the 28 days thing because I'm a nerd for a modality called human design. Have you ever looked into that before? We've talked about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So, so my strategy, because I have a lot of open centers, specifically my root center is open and undefined. Mm -hmm. So it actually, my strategy is wait 28 days to make a decision, right? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I need to, uh, my girlfriend will go into this deeper than I will be able to, but I think it's based on lunar cycles. So basically you need a full lunar cycle to really think about all the different avenues and ways and, you know, possible results and everything to come to a conclusion and go, okay, this is the right decision or not. And I think that's, that's one of my double-edged swords because I'll meet someone and immediately become best friends and be like, we should go into business. And this used to happen a lot Mm -hmm. where I was a yes man where I would just say yes to everything because I would, you know, expect the best out of everyone. You know, I would, I would, I would just not see like the reality of like, Hey, you don't really know this person that well. Like they could just be like getting one over on you and trying to use you or whatever. Right. And so I think that's a really good strategy, especially for those of you out there, if you know, human design that have undefined root centers Mm -hmm. is to wait that 28 day period. And what I've realized now is that with what I do, I'm very grateful that I do what I love because I can push it. But also realizing that like, like we talked about earlier, that's a switch, but it's not the only switch. 
you know, your on has no power unless you learn to turn off. And that's like my translation for yes and no, right? Which is the original way it said your yes has no power until you learn to say no. But like, it's very similar, right? Your masculine power has no has no power until you learn to actually have feminine energy and be able to turn off, relax, recuperate, think about things, feel into them. And I think that like, that's the, the tricky balance of an entrepreneur because yeah. it's almost like most mornings are Christmas morning, right? Where like, you want to run downstairs and just rip open your presents, but your parents are still asleep and you got to like be patient and wait for them to wake up to be able to actually have the gifts be opened. And if you try to open them before Christmas morning, you're going to get yelled at and you're going to ruin Christmas morning, right? So yeah, yeah. that's the way I always think about it. You know, that was one of the things that I told my girlfriend um, because she has a very similar, she's an entrepreneur too. And she was like, but I want to know where I'm going to be in five years and 10 years. I'm like, hey, don't open your Christmas presents before Christmas morning. And why can I say that? Because I try to do it too, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you talk about seeing people and seeing the best. I call that high beams of hope. It's mm. like whenever I meet somebody, like I'm doing it now. I, whenever yep. I meet somebody, it's like <laughs> I, I illuminate them in my mind with like the best possible versions of themselves. And it took me a long time to realize that I have to allow those people to like live and behave into those possibilities, yes. especially when you're mentoring people or especially when you're hiring people. It's like you see these people come across. Uh, and, and I just I love that idea of like high beams of hope. It's like, OK, don't forget that you're who you are. So like give them an opportunity to show you who they are rather than just, you know, see the best and, and what they might possibly be. Uh, the other thing you hit, which I thought was interesting, is you talk about not opening your presence until it's time. Uh, when we do goal setting, uh, my friend David, shoot, I'm not going to think of it right now. That's terrible. He's amazing. I will think of it. <laughs> Shout anyway, out to he, Dave. <laughs> yeah, dang it. He's a terrific. He was a terrific guest. Anyway, I don't want to you know, derail the show. He calls it uh, the corridor of opportunity. He goes, you, you set your sights on a door at the end of a hallway and you start down that path. And as entrepreneurs, we're, we, we become great. It's sort of like seeing the opportunistic things that are happening along that way. And so maybe you say, I want to have a million dollars in five years. And as you're going down that path to see the decisions that would actually have to happen for that to make it happen, you might be like, no, I actually just want to work 10 hours a week and live at the beach and be able to do this all day and be able to only spend time with people who I love, you know, like, like maybe that's the opportunity, but you've entered into the corridor of opportunity by setting your sights on those things. And I think that's like a powerful, um, and, and not my own idea. Galbensky, Dave Bal Galbensky, shout yes. out to Dave Galbensky. Oh yeah, dude, we, we got go. it. It yeah, pops into the, the mail slot, you know, as uh, Eileen Dan McCusick says. <laughs> yeah, he's he's on my short list of people not to talk to unless you do want to start a business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, I love those kind of people. Like, yeah. you know, it's funny because have you ever read The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer? I'm familiar with Michael Singer, though. Yeah, he read the uh, he uh, wrote The Untethered Soul as well. And I think mm -hmm. he might have wrote some other books, too. But I thought that was one of the best books for any aspiring person who has any dream, whether you want to be an entrepreneur, whether you want to climb the corporate ladder, whatever you want to do, because essentially what he wanted to do was he just loved meditating and he loved yoga. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to fast forward through the story because it's a long book, but he basically, uh, he was like, I just want to be alone in the woods. So he bought some land in Florida and he built a house and he learned how to do carpentry to build this house. And he did pretty good at it. And he invited this guy over and who helped him build it. And so one day police officer came to like, just to ask him something. It wasn't anything big. And the police officer was like, wow, man, this house is really cool. Do you think you could build one for me? And he's like, all I want to do is sit here and meditate. But yeah, I guess I'll help you out. Right. And so then he goes over, starts building this house. And someone else is like, oh my God, man, this is amazing. Could you do it for me? Comes to find out he ends up having a multi million dollar construction business. And then at the same time, he starts getting into computers when they come out and he starts finding, oh, like he needed a computer for construction or something. And he finds like, oh, I actually kind of like this. And so he got into computers and then ended up through a series of events, owning a multi, multi-million dollar company um, with computers. And then he ended up selling that. And so like, basically he was just like, he set his goal, right? Like, I know what I want to do. I want to meditate and do these things. But then he kind of like crockpotted it. He set it and forget it and, mm -hmm. and forgot it. And so what he did was he went through all of these things and just started saying yes to the opportunities that came. And he mm -hmm. ended up having this beautiful experience of life where now he's able to like have his own retreat centers and donate money to all like the ashrams or whatever he donated money to. But he was able to make this huge positive difference in the world and get so many other people into meditating and all the things they wanted to do and also give them jobs and all these things, all because, you know, he let go of his immediate goal to be like, all right, why is the universe or whatever you want to call it? calling me to like start building houses for you. What if I just say yes, instead of being like, no, I don't want to do it. It's very interesting. You picture the corridor because it's kind of like, you know, you throw a cast out 
And then you might get snagged on a branch. You know, there's so many things that could happen. So you have your goal of catching a fish, but you might end up catching a different fish than you thought you were going to catch. But at the end of the day, you're still going to eat. And so it's so interesting to be able to like put these goals out there and then get ourselves out of the way as much as possible, which is much easier said than done, but get ourselves out of the way as much as possible to be able to allow, you know, intuition, synchronicities, all these magical components of life to just show themselves and actually act out in your life. I think that's so powerful. I think that's brilliant. I, I have no value to add to any of that. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I, I think about that a lot. Well, Jason, man, this has been an absolutely amazing deep dive, man. My battery is so charged and I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to tell the listeners where they can find you, connect with you, find all the amazing things you're up to, where to find the Spear and Clover podcast. Tell the people where they can find you, man. Bro, again, thank you so much for having me on. I am so amped for for this to come out. I have another three hours of stuff I'm sure we could talk about. Uh, <laughs> for real, man, I, I think we're friends now. I, I would love to. Oh, dude, 100%. Um, we'll have to do round two as well. <laughs> I would love to do that. And same thing with Spear and Clover. Yes. Uh, so you can find us at Spear and Clover on kind of all platforms, everything from Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn. My name is Jason Skisik. My, uh, my Instagram is at Jason Skisik. Uh, you can reach out to me directly in those platforms or at Jason at SpearandClover.com. I don't have a program or a book or anything that I'm trying to sell. Uh, however, if what you've heard today uh, aligns with you, or if there's things you heard that you'd like to discuss more, I spend every single day on calls with entrepreneurs. So please reach out to me. I am happy to do it. Uh, and I do take on a very select few of clients if, if there's like real um, connection there. So, so uh, feel free to reach out to me uh, on any of those platforms. And the only ask I would have is that you share this podcast with other people. I think both Ryan and I have a lot to say and not enough people listening yet. So share yes. this uh, podcast with somebody else. Hell yeah. And man, my last question for you is this. If someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their life, what would Jason Skisik suggest that change be? Schedule your personal life first before your professional life and then stick to it. So mm. what would a, what would the most healthy and productive version of you do if you wanted to show up as the best version of you for your professional stuff? And so for me, that's, you know, at least three, for me, it's usually five, uh, three sessions of collective elective suffering, one solo mission per week, X amount of time per day of family time, a weekly family or friend summit, depending on your marital status, uh, those types of things. And that will come in more in depth at some point, uh, schedule that stuff first and then backfill everything else. Because I think as you alluded to earlier, sometimes we feel like we need to fill somebody else's vessel with ourselves. And I think the reality is we are the vessel. And if we, if we align and define those things, you will be su- surprised at how successful you can be in your own vessel with its own shape. Yeah. You can only pour from an overflowing cup. I mean, you could pour from an empty cup, but it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> I love that. Okay, guys. When I was first connected to Jason through a mutual friend of ours, we immediately clicked. As soon as we had our intro chat and dove into one another's journeys, I could feel the fire of passion igniting within both of us as we shared our mutual love for entrepreneurship and self-development alike. And trust me when I say that being able to meet people like Jason who are committed and dedicated to leaving the Garden of Earth greener than when they found it is something I am beyond grateful for the opportunity to experience to ignite my own passion deeper and be able to share with each of you in the hopes it accomplishes the same goal within all of you who tune into these episodes. For anyone looking to get in touch with Jason to stay up to date on all of the incredible things he is up to, make sure to check out the show notes where I will be listing all of the ways in which you can connect with him and find and listen to the Spear and Clover podcast. If there is one thing I know about Jason, it's that he is extremely passionate about helping other entrepreneurs and change makers in whatever way he can. And although he's already done so much in his life, he is only just getting started. Jason, thank you so much for sharing your time and experience with the listeners and me today, for being of service in such potent and powerful ways in the information and wisdom you put out into the world, and for charging my battery to 11 in the wise words of Spinal Tap. And until next time, my friend, journey well, be well, and much love over to you. Namaste.
What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.